Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I don't know, a headlock from a lip lock. And I am Shagador Spartacus. Welcome to episode 193, Big Ass Extreme Bash. It's so big, it's in two places. A dot dot. That is how you (laughs) find it on the network. Yeah, yeah, Peacock, you can't... Type ass yeah. into peacock. Yeah, you can type cock, but you can't type ass. Apparently, <laughs> makes perfect sense. What will you find if you type cock? I don't know, peacock. Uh, uh, the the <laughs> the first winner of uh, the first season of Survivor. He walked around naked. Huh? That's on Paramount. <laughs> oh shit! Never mind. Catch peas wrong. I got my peas wrong. <laughs> I got my peas my peas mixed up. So this is the only big ass extreme bash produced by ECW. It took place on March eighth. And 9th, 1996, from the Lost Battalion Hall in Queens, New York, and the ECW Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Forget about it. With an attendance of 1,200 people each night. Ooh. They're like, yeah, give or take. 1,200. Yeah, give or take. I mean, that's a lot for the Philly Arena. They packed them in. Hmm? Yep. Because it's... There were 11.50 for the longest time, so I guess they they <laughs> yeah. found a few more seats. Maybe, yeah, they broke down a wall in a brawl. And like, like, who needs seats? Like Does everybody here, stand yeah. up? Yeah, everyone's going to stand anyway. Like mosh pit wrestling. It's what it is. So when we're in two places, I don't know what Shane decides to do. Yeah, splits the difference. Meets in the middle and goes to Buffalo? I don't know what's I'm, in the middle I of smell, Philadelphia and New York. I breeze on through both of them, baby. Ooh, I was going to say, I smell maybe a gimmick. You uh, you could be right. <laughs> it was a, a difficult decision of, do I get something from New York? Do I get something from Philly? Do I get something from Philly that represents New York or vice versa? I don't know if they have a, a Queen-style cheesesteak, but it's I just called the chopped cheese, I think. Is that what it is? I don't know. I don't know. Chopped cheese is a New York thing. It's what? basically the same thing, but you just do it with ground beef. Ah. It's, like a, it's basically a cheeseburger, but you chop so up the meat. So not as good. Probably not. Oh, I've uh, never got on the grill, one. I guess. I take a cheesesteak over a chopped cheese. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. But yeah, couldn't decide where to uh, represent, so I decided once again to uh, represent one of the uh, the featured wrestlers on the show. This one is this the first time we're seeing him in this organization? I can't remember. Yes, it All is. All right. So yeah. We, uh, we're going to get the old debut spoiler alert. Sorry, you're going to hear it a little bit later anyways, but one Mr. Chris Jericho makes his debut on this big-ass extreme bash. Ocho. The wizard. The demo god. Oh, my God. That might be the worst Lionheart. one. Lionheart. Uh, Lionheart's good. That's a good one. Lionheart's a good one. Oh. This guy comes up with a new thing every other day. Mr. Bubbly? What's yeah, the that list. Was the, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. Of, he's had like 15 just in AEW. Uh, fr- uh, friendship. What was the friendship? I don't remember. Yeah, I can't remember either. The man uh, must be stopped. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, this here is the Jericho's Breeze. It is some vodka, some blue curacao, the lime juice, some orange juice, and uh, 
it called for a splash of lemonade, but I just brought Sprite because there was two different recipes, so I kind of merged them together. Oh, the bubbles um, are nice. Yes. It's got a very smooth, sweet, desserty type finish to it. Uh, it's garnished with a, a chunk of pineapple and a maraschino cherry. Which I can't wait to get to that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chunk of pineapple. Didn't know what the hell it was going to taste like because, uh, as Matt said, when we sat down, it looked like something I've served up before already, but it's just a, a different measurement on the ingredients, and it has a totally different flavor to it. So I'm happy, Mr. Jericho. Thank you if you happen to inspire this drink, which obviously you did, because anything named Jericho has to be from one place. Mr. <laughs> Goat. From Mr. Canada. I'm trying to remember. Y2J. Mr. Mm. Save Us. Mr. Jericho himself, uh-huh. this is delicious. So this is uh, if you don't already have the uh, recipe for it, look it up. Listen break again. The walls down. Break uh, it down. down. Yeah. There we go. Uh-huh. Or maybe uh, throw one of these back and storm the cabin. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <clears throat> I'm guessing it would be uh, don't do that. Tasty, topped with a, a little bit of bubbly as well. I mean, Sprite has a good finish to it, but yeah. a little you, bit of the bubbly. If you drink enough of them, you might get a little fuzzy. <laughs> 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 oh, shit. <laughs> Uh, oh, Judas! You did a great job. <laughs> Tastes like a like a like a drink from like Sonic, but you sipped a little bit down and then poured vodka in it, and then went to like the football game to do so underage drinking. Tastes like something from a cruise ship. So oh, there you go. Either way, yeah, it's good. It's very, Try it's very, one. It's very delicious. On this uh, this here fall day, it uh, takes me back to oh, pain maker. That's another one. Oh, the pain, pain maker. maker. That was yeah. That was what he did in um, New in New Japan. Yep. We're recalling all these off the top of our head. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm sure the list is hilarious. It's at least a thousand and one. <laughs> one for every hold. Yep. <laughs> a couple movies would hit theaters the same weekend. Yeah, they did. Straight bangers. The Birdcage. Not necessarily a straight banger, a gay banger. <laughs> it's a gay banger. <laughs> and Fargo. Yeah, this one's uh, more of a straight bang banger. Yeah, so yeah, it's a bloody banger. Oh, two fucking great movies. We got a, yeah, a... Uh, a gay banger and a wood chipper. Come on. Yeah, you, you can't Both of these are one. just as good today as they were the day they came out. Yep. Absolutely. Amazing cast, amazing stories. I mean, the 90s, the late 90s turned out some... Uh, great comedy. Some great shit, so... And just great comedies. Could you imagine if we got a good comedy? The, on the, the quality of, like, The Birdcage mm-hmm. today? It's been, like, a decade since we've got something that's, like half as good as far as no, no, nobody makes comedies anymore but your hangover your your bridesmaids yeah, yeah i never saw bridesmaids i didn't love the hangover but i know people like it a lot i might like it more now sometimes with comedies i'll watch it and be like i don't get it and then i'll be like okay i'll give it another shot years later and be like oh i was wrong i did that with idiocracy where i was like oh yeah, well, yeah wrong i was wrong i was completely <laughs> wrong i'm not ashamed to be wrong but uh, i saw the birdcage as a kid and then i watched it again recently and it's uh, much funnier as an adult yeah i mean i watched it i went to the theaters and saw it and then when it came out on video i was working at blockbuster so it worked out there that i could just watch it anytime i wanted to but yeah as a uh also proof that a huge crossover hit it's mm-hmm. like and it's a 110% a gay movie. Oh, yeah. And everyone's like, oh, you yeah, can't make definitely. a gay movie. Uh, nobody will pay to go see it. It's like, well, if Mike Nichols does it, uh, oh, yeah. then it's not a problem. Mike you just got to be good. It. You just got to be really good at making a movie. If you cast Robin Williams, Nathan Lane, Diane Weiss, Gene Hackman as your, your main four of the movie, you throw in Hank Azaria as the bumbling housekeeper or houseboy. Yeah, it was 
that movie was fucking great. As a, a kid who was trying to figure out figure out their sexuality, this was something that you know needed to to be seen. You know, you had this one that came out. Tu Wong Fu came out around the same time or shortly before. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was movies that people like myself needed to see back then to know that a you're not alone b it's okay and c in the long run it doesn't matter what the fuck anybody else thinks just be who you are absolutely, and be happy yeah, about it absolutely and what's <clears throat> funny about the birdcage is like those guys are like kind of stereotypical catty bitches mm-hmm. but we've all met we've all met those guys too <laughs> so it's like you know it's not it's not like um, it doesn't come off as like gross or a joke Oh, in, no. Like, it, it's just, it's like, oh, we're also in Miami, so you have that extra excuse yeah. of, like, we do it bigger here anyway. You've got Miami, you've got the the fact that it's a drag club, you've got the conservative senator in the, the mix of it there with, you know, coming down to avoid a scandal and then falling into a potential new one. You've got the blending of families, you know, people trying to hide who they are and then realizing that you don't have to because in the long run it's going to be okay. Yeah. Hank Azaria, I think, should have... I mean, shit, the whole cast should have been nominated. Robin Nathan Williams, Lane is so great. Yeah, Robin Williams, Nathan Lane, <laughs> I mean, and Hank Azaria movie, when I think Nathan, When I think Nathan it. Lane, this is the movie that I think of. Yep. You know what's funny? The other one I think of is uh, Mouse Hunt. Because I saw it in theaters <laughs> with, my, with yes. my grandma. And I haven't seen it since then, but it's like, oh yeah. God, I forgot about that movie. Yeah, I think everybody has. <laughs> I just only remember it because uh, I saw it with my grandma probably not too long after... I moved here, or maybe I was here on a vacation, but uh, that's probably why I remember. But it's funny, I've I've seen more Elaine May movies, even though she's only made five movies, than Mike Nichols, who is like a much more celebrated director. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, Nichols and May, they like basically invented improv. I've basically just seen The Graduate and this. Two movies with like a 40-year difference. Birdcage should have had a, a lot of Oscar love, and it didn't, but... Thankfully, the other movie that debuted this week got lots of it, including uh, some wins. Because Fargo is another one up there that's just phenomenal. Yeah. This is when I fell in love with Frances McDermott. Uh, see, I loved her back in, in the Raisin Arizona days. There was something about her that stood out way back then. I think I watched this before I watched Raising Arizona. Mm-hmm. Same. Uh, definitely. I think, I think this might actually be my first Coen Brothers movie that I saw. I mean, it's a good one to start off with. I think it's the first one that I saw, too. I've seen... I think there's like four or five that I haven't seen at this point. But I've seen most all of them at this point. I've seen at least like 90%. Yeah. But they have like 20 movies. They do have a bunch. Yeah. And... Um, they're, they're the group... Like, usually it's like every other one I like. Yeah, yeah. For them. It's it's weird. I can see that. There's never one that I... I don't think there's any that I've seen that I like... Dislike. It's just like, oh, yeah. Obviously, I like this Good, one more than I like one, this yeah. one more. Yep. Yeah, Fargo. I mean, it was nominated for everything: best picture, best director, best screenplay, actress, supporting actor. Yeah. Was this their first like <clears throat> big Oscar run? Because yes. they yeah. made a bunch of movies before then. Yeah. I mean, Frances McDormand had had some Oscar recognition in the past for Mississippi Burning. I think is what I think it was. So. She nominated for. Supporting yeah. actress, but she's married to one of the two of them. Yes, she's married to. Joel, I get it mixed up. I think. So. think. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and she's in their first movie. That that put her in the the spotlight as a best actress to to watch out for because she did it while she was pregnant, and I mean, she won best actress even though she was in the movie less than 
uh, William H. Macy was, and he was only nominated for supporting actor. Yeah. But, I mean, she was the only she real female be. lead of the movie, so it also, made sense. Also, incredibly charming and funny. Yeah. <laughs> In the movie. And, you know, for years after, everybody had to mimic the, the Fargo accent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also led to one of the best television shows. Yep. I've never seen the show. I've heard good things. Yeah, the first season is very much reminiscent of the movie, and then it kind of it very much like it literally feels like like every time I watch the first season, I go, "Is this the same as the movie?" And then I have to like, and it's just it's just slightly off. Yeah, yeah. It, it actually happens a little bit after. Oh, okay. The movie yeah, I'm due because for... there's then, a, a tie back to the movie at one point. Yeah. Oh, really? And then the second season has Kirsten Dunst and. Jesse Plemons. Yes, I was trying to and think of his uh, name. I was like, I know it's her husband, but I, love, I like Plemons. So good. Mm-hmm. Like the second season. That's the, what fir- the first. The first season made me fall. Um, who played the... um, Michael Sheen? No, the the oh. girl cop. Oh, what the basically hell played the Frances McDermott. I am blanking on her name. I'm so sorry, but she is she <laughs> is amazing. Like, and that she doesn't get more stuff is a crime because she I think she ended up winning best actress yeah I remember she won at, at the best Emmys Emmy. and Golden Globes and is it Allison Tolman yes that's there the name go. thank you oh let me see I think that she was in a was she in the movie with um, Elijah Wood no I guess not there's a lady that's in a movie with Elijah Wood I've only seen two other things with her like and they that. were one was a really bad choice because her next TV show was the one with the talking dog, which I was just oh. like, bad choice. Everybody always has to have that stinker if they do something great. And then she did a another TV show where called Emergence, where she played another sheriff, where there was some like sci-fi thing going on, which was a really entertaining show, but it, it got uh. canceled after one season and. Didn't she show back up in one of the seasons of Fargo, or was that just a one-and-done? I can't remember. I don't know. I've only seen the first three seasons. No. I'm thinking of Melanie Linsky, who oh, looks, yeah. looks like her. And Melanie Linsky fucking rules. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's she, great. Yeah. She's <clears> in uh, <throat> I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore, which is a movie that I liked a lot. Gotcha. No, she was just great in, what was it called, Candy? I think is what it was on Hulu. Oh, yeah. I've it's always funny it. to see how good she is at stuff, because, like... Melanie Linsky, the only thing I ever think of her is Two and a Half Men. Oh, I've never watched the, Two and a Half Men. She was the annoying neighbor. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. See, I remember her from that. I didn't really watch the show, but I remember when she was on there. And then the thing I remember her from is Ever After with Drew Barrymore because she played one of the the stepsisters in the Cinderella-esque story. All right. Well, before wrestling, because can we do a favorite Coen Brothers to tie it back in? Son of a bitch, that's tough. That's like or so just get like choice. maybe maybe like a top your top three in no order. That's easier. Uh, it's still hard. Me, Raising Arizona is always up there. The combo of Holly Hunter and Nick uh, Cage are just great. Then you are on all the supporting casts. The Big Lebowski, definitely up there. It's almost impossible to pick a three. And then that's tough. Hot take. Uh huh. I am not a big Lebowski fan. Hey, that's fine. I don't. I don't. Uh, could not hold it against you. I nope. don't think it would make my top three. So, yeah. I didn't. I didn't care for it when I first saw it, and I was like, okay, maybe. Like like you said with comedies. Yeah. Maybe it was me. I rewatched it, and I was like, okay, it's be- it's better than I. It's better than I remember it being. But I was still like, I, I don't. I don't love it yeah. as much as I love some of their other ones. And so yeah, I was the one that. 
I went to it the day it debuted and then the next day I had off work and I went and watched it three more times and just sat there at the theater the entire day because is it a, it is a movie that gets better with repeat viewings it was great I'm trying to think what the hell would number three be I mean Fargo's up there but mine would could change any day of the week <sighs> Fargo and True Grid are definitely up there for me yeah I love True Grid uh, No Country Simple Plan I, that's another one that I'm, I'm that I'm not in love with A Simple Plan is um. Uh, is not them. Er, it, it, that you think a serious man? No. Serious man is great. Simple Plan is an of. incredible movie, but that's um. Which one am I thinking of? Uh, Sam Raimi. Cohen Brothers. Let All right. Look. I'm gonna go off the top of my dome. Hudsucker, Miller's Crossing, No Country. In yeah, like think, no order. I, I think Hudsucker would probably be up there for me as well. Cause I. I watched that one all the because it used to be on HBO when Blood I was Simple. growing up. That's the one, not Simple Plan. Blood Simple. Oh, Blood Simple. That's the first movie. Yeah. Blood Simple almost made it in my three, but Miller's Crossing is just a, such an incredible screenplay. Yeah. But Blood Simple is more of like the kind of movie that I love, where it's just like a simple, a simple noir, and it's you know uh, gritty and like stark, and they're just. You can tell they're just doing it with like a crew of eight people. Yep. And making the most of it. But <clears throat> it could change. There's not like there's none of those movies of their movies that I hate. Yeah. No, I feel like I should really rewatch Hail Caesar. That's probably a blast on a rewatch. That's one I haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. I watched it when it first came out. I didn't love it either, but yeah. it was still good. Like that's the thing. All their movies are good. It, I don't think there's a stinker in all. The only one I ever hear people say like stinks is Lady Killers, but I haven't seen it. See, I think that one's fun. Yeah. And I think, yeah. yeah, I think that's the one that, but anyway, I thought we would, I would put a pin in this, but instead we just made the conversation longer. Either way, Coen Brothers are great. Uh, you obviously know who they are. Hey, this, this weekend was apparently a, a weekend of greatness as far as uh, movies and TV go, so. Yeah. There you go. So, there is two shows, basically. On the tape that we watched, the show that was in New York is cut down into like a 30 minute highlight video yeah it's like an episode of ecw tv kind yeah. of so we're going to count that all as one part and then we'll move into the second part of philadelphia and that's when we'll get to actual matches yeah where it's a we get a full card so title and date of the show is shown followed by part one march 8th immediately we get sandman running down to the ring to cane all of the competitors and the referee in a match that had just finished before standing tall to ECW champs. Sounds like he's been taking the place of 911. Yep, it's like, oh, every that. match <laughs> is like that on an ECW show, if you've noticed. Uh, it ends with whoever's the most over coming out and beating everybody up to pop the show oh, yeah. so they don't have to deal with Don E. Allen. That's right. Poor guy. We then get Joey Styles in the ring, and he brings out Shane Douglas for an interview. And as he's coming out, we see Brian Pillman sitting in the crowd. Digging the, uh, the little sunglasses he was wearing. Oh, yeah. Old Dwayne Wayne. And we clip forward to Brian going crazy as the franchise is trying to ignore him. But he instead goes out to give Pillman two choices. Come over the rail to fight him like a man, or he would come over there to drag him in to show him what extreme really is. 
and Brian just continues to taunt Shane, but Pillman pulls his sister and nephew Oof. in the way to stop Douglas from throwing a punch. I mean, that's, uh, that's, we that's heel go, work. Yeah. Sister and nephew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's definitely heel work. He pulls a lady and a small child. He's like a toddler. She's holding him. Brian tells the franchise to just quit like he has quit everything else before giving him a cheap shot, which sends Shane into a frenzy with a chair. Security comes out and they remove Pillman from the building, with Douglas continuously trying to go after him. But security stops him as well. The franchise then takes the mic to tell security to let Pillman back in, which brings Todd Gordon out to calm the situation. Bill Alfonso then comes out as well, blowing his whistle, before taking the bike to taunt and slap Gordon. Where there's a Todd, there's a Bill. <laughs> Todd attacks Fonzie, which brings Taz out to help, allowing Alfonso to use a chair over the back of Todd. Bam Bam Bigelow then runs down, only to receive multiple chair shots from the human suplex machine, which he no-sells. So Taz and Fonzie take a powder and head to the back. Swallow your whistle and run away. We then move forward where we see Cactus Jack tossing Chris Jericho around the ring. Well, hey there, little buddy. And this was Jericho's first match in ECW. Spoiler revealed. Cactus Jack hits a pile driver for a two count, goes for a powerbomb, only for the Lionheart to counter into a German suplex for the pin and the win. Cactus doing his job on his extended way out it feels like he's been like i'm leaving for a while now i was kind of wondering that same thing like he keeps just, showing up yep no. <laughs> i'm not mad about it no. it's just funny riding it to the very end mm -hmm. we see mikey whipwreck and the human suplex machine battling in the ring now and whipwreck escapes a t-bone suplex to roll up taz for a two count before ducking a clothesline and attempting a suplex of his own only for the human suplex machine to escape. Taz then punches Mikey down, but Whipwreck's leg kicks down low on his fall to the mat, which allows Mikey to go up top, only to miss a flying crossbody. The human suplex machine then delivers an overhead Tazplex before locking on the Taz mission for the submission and the win. Now, post-match, the human suplex machine won't release the hold until Bigelow makes his way down to the ring again. Taz gets out, but Fonzie's still standing there, taunting Whipwreck. So Bam Bam turns his attention towards him. Get him. This allows the human suplex machine to get back in the ring to chop block Bigelow from behind before locking on the Taz mission. All of a sudden, we see El Puerto Recuano, Damian Stone, and Bad Crew all come out to help break it up, only to receive chair shots from Alfonso to stop them. The human suplex machine finally releases the hold as Fonzie continues to give chair shots to referees on the outside. This is ma'am. We then go to the Headhunters, hitting a superplex followed by a top rope elbow drop on Dances with Dudley. And Bubba jumps into the ring, rolling up one of the headhunters for the pin and the win. Thanks for coming. 
Post-match event, <laughs> the headhunters continue to beat down the Dudleys, hitting a moonsault on Dances With, while Bubba Ray is tossed from the ring. Someone's getting pissed. Big Dick makes his way in to use his crutch across the head of one of the headhunters. And we clip forward, and Damian Stone is issuing an open challenge to the locker room. And Mustafa Saeed makes his way out. Only to get beaten down when all of a sudden New Jack comes out of the crowd with a chair to use on the headhunters. And all four men start brawling in the ring using cookie sheets and other plunder. When Mustafa would clothesline one of the headhunters out of the ring and following out with a plancha. Allowing everyone to just continue to brawl with plunder in and out of the ring. Garbage. We, we cut forward again, and we join Rey Mysterio Jr. and Juventud Guerrera in a two out of three falls match. And Juvi runs into a spinning heel kick, followed by Mysterio hitting a tilt-a-whirl hurricanrana that sends Guerrera out to the floor. Ray looks to hit a baseball slide, but Hoovy slides back into the ring to avoid. So Mysterio springboards off the ropes with a hurricanrana that sends Guerrera back out to the floor. Ray then somersault planches out onto Hoovy, landing on his shoulders. So Mysterio transitions into a hurricanrana onto the concrete. Oof, good shit. We clip forward to Guerrera coming off the top rope with a leg drop. Only for Ray to move in time, allowing Mysterio to hit a doctor bomb for a two count, followed by an ocean cyclone suplex for the pin to take a one nothing lead. We move up forward in the action to see Ray climbing the ropes to attempt a super hurricanrana, but he slips off, but he jumps right back up, <laughs> only for Hoovy to counter into a super tiger bomb for a near fall. Guerrero then body slams Mysterio and comes off the top with a somersault leg drop for a two count. Hoovy then delivers a dragon suplex for the pin, and we're all tied up at one. It's all even from here. Somersault leg drop. So cool. Why does, it, does anybody do a somersault leg drop at the moment? Probably not anymore. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the last one I saw do it regularly. RVD? That might be the last one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there's probably someone that does it, but no one I mean, like yeah. any of the major Yeah. Nobody's, get, nobody's getting it over to the mass audience. Mm-hmm. We move ahead again to see Guerrera springboard dropkick Ray down to the mat. So Hoovy follows out with a somersault plancha. Mysterio's rolled back in, and Guerrera goes for a springboard hurricanrana only be caught and powerbombed down for a near fall. Clip forward as Ray kicks Hoovy over the guardrail into the crowd, followed by Mysterio delivering a springboard somersault plancha over the ropes and out to the concrete. We move ahead again with Ray climbing to the top rope, only for Guerrero to meet him there to hit a super brain buster <clears throat> for the pin and the win. I mean... Super brain buster. It was gnarly. Yeah. So we move ahead again, and we see Raven giving multiple chair shots to Sandman on the floor as we join them in action. 
Sandman's then rolled back into the ring where Raven looks to keep up the attack, only for the Sandman to hit a cane shot and a DDT. Raven escapes out to the floor to regroup, but the Sandman follows after with chair in hand, delivering several chair shots as Missy Hyatt looks on. The two men end up behind the curtain, only for Sandman to be knocked backwards by something, when all of a sudden Cactus Jack is carrying Raven back towards the ring. In the ring, Raven hits a DDT onto a chair for an airfall, but he then misses a clothesline, allowing the Sandman to hit a DDT onto the chair as well. Sandman delivers another DDT onto the chair, making the cover, when Kimono Wanalea would jump in the ring to stop the pin attempt. And who's right behind Missy comes into the ring, and the two ladies start to catfight, when Hack Myers and other security come out to break it up. It's like, yeah, we're saying all, we're naming Raven, Sandman, uh, Cactus Jack, and it's like, and then Hack Myers shows up, and it's like, one of these things is not like the other. No, can we get a Donnie Allen run in? <laughs> It'd be about the same for me, personally. <laughs> Back inside the ring, Seedy connects with a chair shot over the head of the Sandman, allowing Raven to make a cover, but the ref is distracted by the catfight shenanigans. Catfight! This allows Shane Douglas to hit the ring to attack Richards, chair shot Raven, and roll the Sandman on top, but the ref is still distracted. So Blue Meanie climbs into the ring to chair shot the Sandman and rolls Raven back on top, for a two count. Stevie and the franchise are brawling on the outside before making their way into the ring as everyone is laid out. So Shane tosses Richards into Meanie before bulldogging Stevie into some blue balls and rubbing his face in them. Uh, Meanie meatball sandwich, eh? Uh, Yeah, a blue (laughs) blue ball sandwich. The ring clears of everyone but our competitors as Douglas is using a chair on Richards and Meanie down the aisle and to the back. The Sandman then heads to the back, but comes back with a piece of guardrail, tossing it into the ring. But as he rolls into the ring, Raven grabs the kendo stick to hit Sandman over the head. Raven then sets the guardrail leaning against the ropes, and looks to send the Sandman into it, only for it to be reversed, sending Raven crashing into the steel. Sandman goes for a vertical suplex into the guardrail, but Raven counters, shoving the Shaman before delivering a DDT into the steel for the pin and, and the win. win. Hoisted by your own petard. We then move to night two. That's right, there's two nights. And it starts with Joey Styles in the ring, bringing out the gangsters. And as they arrive, a woman jumps into the ring to accost New Jack. But security quickly takes care of her, carrying her out of the building. Bring her back. The crowd starts chanting to bring her back. I mean, New Jack knew this was going to happen because that was his actual wife. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. It's, it is funny, though, uh, considering he recently did a stint in uh, jail. So, you know. <laughs> she found the receipts. <laughs> Joey, Joey tells Jack that he is happy that he's back. With New Jack taking the mic, saying he never thought he'd miss anyone in his life. But he has missed these, his words, crazy, crazy, retarded motherfuckers 
in ECW. Uh, I loved this promo so much. New Jack is, is the most compelling guy on the mic because he's just, yeah, he's just got the voice and uh, the projection and uh, he's cool and scary. He just, he can do it. Yeah, he's got that definite don't give a fuck a dude. Yeah, he's got the id factor. Unfortunately, um, it could not translate to any of the bigger companies as New Jack is yeah. a true wild card. Promo may have gotten him in a little bit of trouble because he also continues with yep. fuck Eric Bischoff. Yep. Fuck Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. WCW may be where the big boys play, but this is where the real motherfuckers get down at. I love him. That's great. <laughs> Damian Kane then comes out to make the proposition of being the gangsta's manager tonight. And Jack says the last time he got propositioned, it was by Jim Cornette. The one that gets fucked by a tennis racket. (laughs) He continues that he told Corny to suck his nuts before reminding Damien that he and his boys jumped Mustafa while he was away. But now that he's here, what should he do? And he pops Kane with a right hand. boy. New Jack says to bring the headhunters to the main event and we will have a three-way dance. So we got that to look forward to. Uh, he says so much stuff. But he's, he says something about the five and a half weeks he did in jail. He says, fuck that, because uh, a man didn't have my money. I left that man in my trunk. <laughs> I drove around <laughs> you, you and forgot about him. Yeah, he, I drove around. <laughs> like, you think I've been on drugs. I'm about to be on them. <laughs> it's like, fuck, dude. Uh, it's, yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, obviously, the OJ promo is the best New Jack promo. But this is a good and fun one. But we're headed to our first match. J.T. Smith versus Axel Rotten. The Italian stallion. J.T. Smith. <laughs> so we clip ahead with J.T. hitting a bad-looking moonsault off the top rope for a two-count. Smith then comes off the second rope with what was probably supposed to be a Tornado DDT. But they both just fall down to the mat. Yeah, that was some sloppy shit. Mm-hmm. JT then delivers a powerbomb for a near fall before hitting some chops, only to then run into a big boot and a clothesline. Rotten then walks into a low blow, allowing Smith to make the cover with leverage for the pin and and the win. win. Wow. That was there. Quick and to the point. (laughs) Hey, at least they knew to cut it. I mean... Dort, I won't say it's sweet, but... Axel Rotten did the only two things he can do. Big boot clothesline. Hey, he didn't bleed, so I mean, that's there was, that's there was no there do. was no glass covered knuckles. Yeah, that's totally fine. Yeah, we yeah, don't need that's why we got a, a minute and a half match instead. I would say I hate to say it, but I don't hate to say it. I'm just over, almost over the blood at this point. <laughs> so we get our second match: El Puerto Ricuano and Damian Stone versus the Bag Crew. Of Dog and Rose. I can never remember their names. They don't even bother saying them on commentary. They're the two biker-looking motherfuckers with long hair. (laughs) So Damien Stone. It's kind of our first time to see him. He would later be known as Little Guido in ECW and Nunzio in WWE. See, I did not realize that's who that was. I don't know... Nunzio. I mean, I remember or Nunzio, Will but Guido. I don't remember Will Guido either. Yeah, I, well, looking let's at just him say as Damian Stone, I wouldn't have guessed that's who that was. Within the next couple shows, Little be. Guido and J.T. Smith will join forces 
to become the FBI. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's fun. I love J.T. Smith being fake Italian. <laughs> so as Bad Crew makes their way to the ring, where Quanyo flies to the ropes with a tope suicida, only for them to just kind of push him away as he flies through for you. <laughs> yeah, that looked... Uh, ow. Yeah. yeah, they didn't do it. Yeah, you're supposed to catch it. <laughs> the crew starts pummeling stone inside the ring, hitting a double back elbow and a double Russian leg sweep. El Puerto oh, Ricano has recovered and hey. is on the top rope. And he comes off with a double clothesline to take the crew down, only for them to respond with a double clothesline of their own. Riquano is then tossed from the ring while Damien is body slammed, followed by a top rope heart attack. Rose is choking him for a moment before Dog delivers a tiger driver, but he doesn't make a cover. All of a sudden, Brian Pillman and Philadelphia Eagle Harry Botswain and a couple of suits make their way down to the ring, where Brian attacks Stone and the crew with his cane to clear the ring. So I'm Guessing we get a no contest on this match. Probably. I mean, he's got two lawyers and a wait, wait, football wait, wait, player. Wait. So, J.T. Smith got a head injury and became Italian. Is this what happens to Damian Stone, too? He gets hit by a cane and all of a sudden he's a little guido? That would be awesome. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I hope so. We're like, oh, yeah, that. The concussion connection. <laughs> but Pillman takes the mic and he tells Joey to get down there. Oh my god! So Joey like has to come down from the eagle's nest, and he finally joins them in the ring to hold the mic. I love that the crowd just knows to do the oh my god chant. Like, <laughs> it's so fun. With Brian saying the rogue horseman is here. And he continues making jokes about being a teacher when Shane Douglas would grab a mic in the eagle's nest. And the franchise says if he comes down there and kicks his ass... Brian can have his lawyer sue him and have his agent blackball him in Hollywood. But Shane's just going to throw it all away, and he makes his way to the ring. But Pillman and his posse make a beeline for the back. And Douglas is in the ring now and just yells out, It's WCW versus ECW, and I say extreme wins. Before trying to rip his shirt off, but it doesn't tear completely. So he ends up like a cape around his neck as fans <laughs> chant, Pillman is a pussy. I love that he says, fuck Hogan, that shit was easy, but like, was it? Was it? Was it? Captain Extreme, cape and all. Todd Gordon finally has to come down to try and basically calms the franchise down. Before we move to our third match, the Eliminators of Perry Saturn and John Cronus versus the Dudley Click of Bubba Ray Dudley and Hack Myers with Sign Guy Dudley, Chubby Dudley, and Big Dick Dudley for the ECW World Tag Team Championships. Champions obviously being uh, the Eliminators at the moment. So the champions came out first? Mm-hmm. <sighs> Foreshadowing? I mean, I hope not. I don't know about you guys. I'm already tired of the Bubba Ray gimmick. I don't know about you guys, but Perry Saturn is looking more Perry Saturn than Perry Saturn has looked yet. <laughs> so Bubba goes out into the crowd to find some more Dudley brothers, while Joey tells us that Dances With was hurt the night before. Oh, and that's no. why Hack Myers is in this tag match. And by other Dudley brothers, you mean 
fans dressed up like the Dudleys because I might be tired of Bubba. But he's but the Philadelphia is not tired of Bubba at this moment. Nope. Not yet. Not at this moment in 1996. Oh, hack uh, Dudley. I, st- I still have fun with the Bubba right Yeah. Shaw. Saturn kicks Chubby off the apron before Cronus does the same to Sign Guy, which brings Big Dick into the ring, where he ducks a double clothesline and uses his crutch on John. Perry throws some right hands, but Big Dick no sells and choke slams Saturn. We clip ahead where the Shaw is hitting right hands on Saturn before doing the same to Cronus. Bubba Ray then goes for the Bubba Bomb on Perry, only for him to escape and hit a back kick while Hack leg drops John on the apron. Saturn with a Frankensteiner on Bubba, which causes him to roll out to the floor as Myers and Cronus make their way back into the ring. A throwback to the team that they were brought in to compete against. Perry then leaps off the apron onto Bubba Ray before tossing him into the crowd, followed by joining John back in the ring to hit total elimination on Hack for the pin and and the win. win. The right thing happened. Exactly. We go to our fourth match. Chris Jericho versus Taz with Bill Alfonso. Ah, shit, son. Yep, they, uh, there's a Lionheart chant. They say that he's the last survivor of the Hart family dungeon. That's right. There's another name for him that we didn't, yep. that we forgot. Yeah. The Millennium Man. Forgot about that one, too. Wasn't yeah. he the Millennium Man? Maybe. He should have somebody that filters his ideas through him, <laughs> so he only has good ones. He makes more money than I do. So. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so Fonzie goes to get in Chris's face, but Jericho shoves him. So Bill takes the mic and tells Chris he made a big mistake putting his hands on Alfonso. <laughs> so we get a feeling out process until the human suplex machine takes Jericho down and locks on a cross arm breaker until Chris grabs the ropes. Jericho with an overhead arm wrench, only for Taz to bridge out of and trips Chris to escape the hold. More back and forth with them fighting over a German suplex until Jericho nails it with a bridge for a two count. The human suplex machine rolls out to the floor to recover, but when he returns to the apron, Chris just hits a springboard dropkick to send Taz back out to the concrete. Followed by a bad-looking top rope plancha as he slipped on the turnbuckle. Rookie mistake. (laughs) Jericho brings the human suplex machine in the hard way. Followed by a top rope splash for a near fall. And he continues with a snap suplex and a lion salt for the pin. And no, Taz kicks out. Chris with some chops before having his whip reversed allowing Taz to hit a bridging Northern Light suplex for a two-count. Jericho recovers to hit a thrust kick, and he goes up top. But the human suplex machine knocks him down, causing Chris to crotch himself. Taz would then climb up for a superplex, but Jericho flips out and lands on his feet, charging in with a clothesline. Chris then whips the human suplex machine to the corner, and he charges into that, only for Taz to catch him and nail a T-bone suplex, with Jericho landing on his head. Oof. Yeah, not so pretty there. 
Uh, I mean, Chris Jericho either sells it or has no choice. <laughs> the ref like looks the situation over and he wants to stop the match, even going as far as having the bell rung. But Chris tells him no. As the crowd he wants to continue. Yeah, and the crowd's chanting for him. Uh, you know, he's probably probably feeling it a little bit. It's that lion heart coming out, man. It's roaring. So the match <laughs> is restarted, with Jericho throwing right hands and a spinning heel kick. But the human suplex machine ducks a clothesline and delivers a German suplex. Uh-oh. Followed by locking on the Taz mission Uh-oh. for the submission and In the, the win. win. But Taz doesn't let the hole go. Which brings out Damian Stone and the Eliminators to no avail. I know, and uh, even Bill Alfonso, normally he'll let it go when he whistles. Bill Alfonso's doing the whistle, Taz just fucking keeping it on. Mm-hmm. Brian Pillman then runs out, which gets the human suplex machine to release the hold. Only the suplex stone as Pillman rolls out of the ring. El Puerto Ricuano then comes running out, so Brian clotheslines and back suplexes him down onto the concrete. Shane Douglas comes running out with chair in hand, so Pillman takes off running, swan diving over the guardrail into the arms of his Philadelphia Eagle friend, Boatswain, <laughs> and they exit out the front door. And then out comes the ultimate warrior. No. <laughs> the franchise is being held back by the pit bulls, Axel Rotten, and a rather large man when Shane ends up in the ring with Taz. And the two men stare each other down. But the human suplex machine leaves the ring, allowing everybody to check on Jericho. Damn. Yeah, it's funny because it's like, the, I mean, he obviously crashes down on his head, but it feels like that was the smart thing to do if you don't want to completely, like, you know, if you, you, you want to use Chris Jericho without just feeding him to Taz, because they feed people to Taz all the time. Yeah. And he got some big moves over on Taz, then he got dropped on his head. I mean, I think it's like, the first pen attempt on Taz that we've had since he's kind of changed gimmicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, like, yeah, so it's like, oh, the head crash thing, it's like, well, was it, if it, if it wasn't, like, it doesn't mean that he obviously ended on his head, but, like, if it wasn't planned, it was the smart thing to do in that match. Yeah. Without, it gives him a reason to lose and not lose yeah, any yeah, as he. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, well, he got crashed on his head and he powered through. It's the babyface thing to do. Yep. And then, you know, lose and, you know, take the pin, but, you know, you were working hurt. We then go to our fifth match Rey Mysterio Jr. versus Juventud Guerrera in a two out of three falls match. And yes, they did do this match the night before as yeah, well. Yeah, <laughs> see, that's what I was trying to figure out. I remember when I was watching this, if, yeah, that was when, when I was watching it, I forgot it was over two days, and it's like, wait, did they show us just a clip of it at the start, and then we rolled into it? But yeah, there's, I didn't see the point of having it on the, the first tape if they were going to have the full... One's in they, New York, one's yeah. in Philly. True. Because they, they kind of... two different places. They yeah, kind of they run the little. same show in two places. So it's yeah. like, well, you could have just picked one. Yep. So Ray looks for a handshake, only for Guerrero to spit in his face. So Mysterio returns the favor. Yeah, boy. The two trade holds on the mat with surfboards, log locks, and muda locks until Hoovy can make the ropes. Guerrero then hits a Northern Light suplex for a two count, followed by Ray delivering a Super Rana for a near fall. 
The two then trade a pinfall sequence before going into a knuckle lock with athletic roll-throughs and monkey flips that lead into a two-count for Hoovy, followed by Mysterio with another Rana for a near fall. And the crowd is just clapping in appreciation. There's like, hell yes, because these guys just did, uh, you know, more than more than everything in the last handful of matches in wrestling. Yeah, in a minute and a half. It's like I said, the ECW crowd, they love garbage, but when they see wrestling, they, they fucking it. they respect it. Yeah. Sometimes it takes them a little while to get there, but Yeah. There's there's been some times where I was like, Come on guys, this yeah. is good. You chant boring on this match again, I'm gonna reach to this T V thirty years ago and start choking people. I will, out. I will say typically they don't do it to uh more lucha style stuff. They do it to more of like a traditional catch or whatever yeah. but still come on guys we can't they can't, can't all be flips yeah not everybody needs a uh, a kendo stick no or a not, taped glove and not everybody glass. needs to be doing super ranas yeah so it is what it is Guerrero nails some chops before whipping ray to the ropes who comes back with a tilt-a-whirl hurricanrana that sends Hoovy out to the floor mysterio fakes a plancha but instead hits a cobrada onto Guerrero before heading back into the ring, where Ray heads up top, only for Hoovy to meet him there. So Mysterio counters into a sunset flat powerbomb for a two-count. They fight over a suplex, which Guerrero wins, delivering a brainbuster for a near fall, before nailing a spinning heel kick, a springboard drop kick, and a dragon suplex for a pin. So Hoovy takes the one nothing lead. Ray rolls out to catch a breather, but when he returns, he snaps off a Rana for a two-count before hitting some chops and a whip to the corner, which gets reversed with Guerrera charging in, only for Mysterio to avoid sending Hoovy out to the apron. Ray keeps up the attack by leaping off the top rope with a Rana that sends Guerrera down to the concrete, and Mysterio slides back into the ring while the ref is leaning over to check on Hoovy. So Ray runs and vaults over the ref Oof. with a somersault senton out onto Guerrero. Young Ray was such a and yeah, like yeah, wild ride. And Ray still uh, has the foresight to uh, block Hoovitude's uh, head from the steel. You mm-hmm. can see him be like, "Oh shit!" and like correct and do consummate the, professional at nineteen, twenty years old. How yeah. old he was? Mm-hmm. Got to keep him safe, especially. I mean. Lucha dudes, Lucha dudes go fucking wild, so, I mean, you kind of kind of have to, I imagine, if you want to get booked, at least be as safe as you can, considering. Yep. As they head back into the ring, Joey jokes about how Mysterio could be a gold medalist in gymnastics, which were being held in Atlanta, but why would he ever want to go there? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I hear they uh, pay well and don't work much. Mysterio delivers a power bomb for a near fall, followed by a springboard moonsault for a two count. He tries for a whip, but Hoovy counters into a short arm clothesline. Guerrero is hitting several kicks before trying a top rope crossbody, where Ray meets him in the air with a drop kick before nailing a gut wrench power bomb for a pin. Love a gut wrench. And we're all tied up at one. Yes. A 60-second break, but probably less than that. Hoovy takes the breather on the floor, and he comes in with a drop kick, before placing Mysterio on the turnbuckle to hit a drop kick that sends Ray tumbling out to the floor. Oof. 
Guerrero follows out with a baseball slide that sends Mysterio crashing into the crowd. So Hoobie then leaps out with an ICI moonsault. They head back into the ring where Guerrero continues the attack with a springboard spin kick for a near fall. And he goes for a springboard leg drop, but Ray moves to avoid. Mysterio then takes Hoovy up to the top rope for a Super Rana, but Hoovy blocks to dump Ray down to the mat. He leaps off with a Centon, but he's caught and powerbombed down for a two count. Mysterio continues with a Northern Light Suplex, but he misses a Springboard Moonsault, which allows Guerrero to hit a Gorilla Press into a Fallaway Slam for a near fall. I mean, that's pretty sick. A Gorilla by Guerrero. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Ray recovers to hit a spinning heel kick, which sends Hoovy out to the floor. So Mysterio tries for a baseball slide that is blocked, but he transitions it into a head scissors that sends Guerrero down to the concrete. Ray tosses Hoovy into the crowd and uses a chair right between the eyes. Well, thanks, hat guy. Before flying out of the ring with a springboard somersault senton back onto Guerrero. The two are brawling out through the crowd and out the front door, where Mysterio tosses Hoovy into a garage door, but Guerrero recovers to powerbomb Ray onto the hood of a car. Not any car. I believe that was a Ford Taurus. Hoovy charges in only to be kicked away, allowing Mysterio to leap off the hood with a hurricanrana onto the concrete. <laughs> uh, it's a little unnecessary, but I'm appreciating it. They make their way back into the building into ringside, where Ray smashes a chair over the head of Guerrero, and the crowd call for a table, so Mysterio sets one up, before rolling back into the ring, where he charges at Hoovy, only to be tossed to the top rope. Guerrero climbs up and grabs Ray for a splash mountain, but it's reversed into a super rana for the pin and the win. Post-match, Mysterio drags Hoovy out to the table that was set up, hitting a sit-out powerbomb on top of it as the crowd chants, ECW, ECW. I love that it's like, oh, Ray's not done yet. He has to put over the ECW crowd. Mm -hmm. And I love that he's like standing on the table because he's so small that he can just stand on the table and do it, which uh, is a a nice visual. And I mean, hey. Two great matches in a row. Not super common in ECW. No. Or anywhere at this point right now. Any of the big... I mean, there's two. ECW I wouldn't call big, but of the three major... ECW's still not major, but, you know, historically it is. Yeah, I mean, they've been around for a few years now, so they're they're creeping their way up there. So this would be Ray and Guerrero's last match in ECW, as they would both head to Atlanta. I mean, they're going to get there quicker than Cactus. I mean, I guess Cactus is going to... Olympic caliber people right there, so it only (laughs) makes sense. Cactus already did his time in WCW. Poor guys. So we move to our sixth match. Mikey Whipwreck versus Cactus Jack. And Mikey comes out wearing a neck brace because Taz had hurt him the night before. I mean, hey man. And then he came out to some weird whatever the 
overlaid music that they put on there was, or was that music sounds music? exactly like a good yeah reference no. to Beck. I texted Matt about this when I watched it, but um, like of all of the like songs they put in, or like in the style of, because they don't want to pay for the rights, this one they actually put lyrics on, and it sounds like somebody like trying to rip off Beck, and the song's not bad. Well, maybe I so. heard a different one because mine didn't have lyrics. Mine was just oh. like this horror movie sounding oh oh weird no it's like a it's yeah. like a weird beck ripoff but with like original lyrics and it's a song that was done in-house as i imagine the wwf uh, yeah because it was it was to the point where i couldn't hear i couldn't really hear the crowd it was like it was over the top of the crowd I mean, noises that's every time that they overlay music it's yeah. over the crowd because yeah. They, yeah it was just the weirdest selection because it took me a second because I heard the music and was trying to figure out who is this guy walking down the ring because I hadn't seen him with hair that big yeah froey before and then the neck brace was throwing me off and then once I actually caught a look at his face I was like okay that's Mikey but what the fuck is this song that I'm hearing oh no the one the one that uh, we heard is pretty nice it was so nice that I was talking to a friend about it who uh watches wrestling i don't know if he does it regularly but he's familiar enough where we can hold a conversation about all kinds of stuff but i was like oh yeah and he's like he's like yeah that's yeah he, he knew what i was talking about and i was like that's cool also the other thing mikey whipwreck new t-shirt this is his third t-shirt it's not the dragon shirt it's not the wizard shirt it's got an all over print ozzy osborne shirt that's pretty sick so joey also tells us that this is jack's final match in ecw <gasps> oh shit had to come eventually. So the crowd's chanting cactus. So he takes cactus. the mic to tell Whipwreck that Mikey will be able to tell his kids that he was Cactus Jack's last match. Sorry, Mikey. But Jack will be damned if Whipwreck will be able to tell him that he won. Sorry to break it to you, Mikey, but Cactus Jack returns at some point in the future. Just not an ECW. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, last match here. We all know where he's going. W... W, F and F, so funny. Right. Still funny. So Cactus Jack works the neck of Mikey to start with knees, stomps, and turnbuckle smashes. Hits a running knee before tossing Whipwreck out to the floor. Jack follows out to keep up the attack with a chair, but Mikey dodges the shots multiple times, only to receive a running forearm to knock him down. Back in the ring, Whipwreck fires up with a drop kick and a cactus clothesline to send them both over to the floor, where he follows up by throwing Jack into the guardrail and a back suplex onto the concrete. Take that. Mikey tosses a chair into the ring before rolling Cactus Jack in, where he hits a side Russian leg sweep onto the steel. I mean, that's, that's fun. Anytime somebody gets tripped onto a flat steel chair... The, it always kind of almost feels, I mean, it feels more believable than a concerto, right? Mm-hmm. Whipwreck then leaps onto the shoulders of Jack for a victory roll, only for Cactus Jack to just dump him off over the ropes onto the timekeeper's table, which doesn't break. I mean, it's a bigger table. Jack sets the table against the ring post to back suplex Mikey into it, and it's still... Doesn't break. I know. I, I, I hurt a little bit with that one. I was like, ah, my ribs. <laughs> Cactus Jack then leaps off the second rope with an elbow drop out onto the concrete, which is a Cactus Jack staple, mm-hmm. but we haven't seen him do it in ECW. Yeah, I mean, that was his 
thing in very true. Uh, yeah, his, you mentioned his that. the WCW splat, if you will. He did it off the catwalk. He did it off the apron. He did it. It's because he was working heel most of the time here in ECW, and basically went away from the hardcore aspects of Cactus Jack. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was the thing with was it Shane Douglas pulling it out of him to eke yeah. in over. Jack with a crutch to the head of Whipwreck, and he goes for a chair, only to have Mikey drop kick it into Cactus Jack's face before they head out into the crowd to brawl. Whipwreck climbs back into the ring, but then springboards off the ropes with a somersault senton out onto Jack in the front row. Scary. That nearly <laughs> misses. I know. Man, I get that like all these guys are still alive but i still get scared in those moments because it's just like so silly and dangerous oh, yeah i mean it's like when you watch titanic you know what's going to happen at the end but you still just kind of hope that maybe <laughs> maybe this time it's different uh i mean <clears throat> they were never going to be together <laughs> even if they even if they survived they were never going to be together jack delivers a cactus clothesline that takes them back over the guardrail to the ringside before delivering a snap suplex onto the concrete back in the ring jack locks in what will become huh? known as the mandible claw oh shit the first time but no one has a clue what he's trying to do no. so there is absolutely no reaction i mean like suck on my fingers i was nope. as a uh attitude era like mankind was my favorite guy as somebody who like started watching and like the the pro like when it really popped off like you're 98 yeah. Like into 97, 98, 99 or whatever. The Mandible Claw, I still didn't quite get, even though I was he was my favorite wrestler. Yeah, when I remember when uh, Mankind first shows up, he did that. And I never quite understood what the hell was going on with it because it just looked like he was sticking his fingers down people's throat because they would gag and yeah. do a, a little bit of a, a puke on his... Globe, yeah, whatever. Before there was a before it was cloth a sock. covered fingers. Yeah, it's like I think the idea was that they were pushing down underneath the tongue or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems uncomfortable and gross. Mandible. Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, but <laughs> I, it's, it's the same thing Britt Baker does now. Yep. Basically. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that's what she. It, it's mean, a. That's why he's a big champion of hers. It's a funny thing to do to a dog if you stick your thumb on the bottom of their jaw and push it down. It'll. Really piss them off, mm -hmm. and <laughs> it's pretty funny. It's Make sure piss you don't. Most people off. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it to a human, but um, you know, doing it to a dog, your own dog, just to tease it or whatever. I wouldn't do it to a stranger's dog. I'm not trying to get bit. Jack continues by nailing a pile driver and a double arm DDT for multiple two counts. Cactus Jack then hits a guillotine leg drop on the apron, Oof. an elbow across the neck. And tries for a pile driver on the floor. But Mikey escapes by ramming Jack into the apron and the guardrail before backdropping him out into the crowd. But Cactus Jack comes right back with a neck breaker across the steel and goes up to the apron for a springboard back elbow. But Whipwreck moves, sending Jack into the guardrail. They head back into the ring where Mikey smashes Jack with a chair shot multiple times. That gets a near fall. Unprotected, of course. Whipwreck then crawls to the corner and grabs a vinyl Leonard Cohen album <laughs> and smushes Cactus Jack's face into it before going back to the chair shots as Jack bails to the floor and out into the crowd. What is there a significance to the Leonard Cohen? Record? I have no clue. 
I didn't even see him bring it out with him. Yeah. So it's like, what was the song that, like, Gactus came out to? I can't imagine. Born to be wild. Yeah, that's Steppenwolf. That's why I, <laughs> I thought it was a Steppenwolf record, and then when I saw that it was a Leonard Cohen record, because I was like, oh well, yeah, yeah, it's not Born to be wild. Absolutely no clue. Yeah. Maybe Cactus Jack, maybe uh, Mick Foley's a big Leonard Cohen fan in real life. Mikey's hot on the tracks of Jack as they brawl their way towards the eagle's nest with Whipwreck snap suplexing Cactus Jack onto the floor before climbing up to the balcony and diving off with a crossbody. Oh my god. We've got a new record. And the ref now checks on Cactus Jack. (laughs) They then brawl their way down the aisle back to the ring where Mikey climbs to the top rope only for Jack to nail him with a forearm on his way down. Cactus Jack grabs a chair and murders Whipwreck with several chair shots before delivering a pile driver on it as well for the pin and the win. Post-match, the crowd is giving a standing ovation for both men as Jack crawls after Mikey, not to attack him, but to give him a hug. Cactus, cactus. I know, I was thinking, I was like, WWE doesn't want him to lose on his way out. They don't give a shit. I mean, Mikey pinned uh, Steve Austin. But I guess, yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. I was hoping maybe Mikey would pin him on the way out. But hey. Cactus Jack then takes the mic. I've said some pretty outrageous things. And to have 99% of you give me this kind of reception makes it all worth it. He continues by praising the locker room that it can survive without Terry Funk and Cactus Jack. He names off Hack Myers, the Eliminators, and Sabu as guys that give their all before giving Sign Guy his props and then hugging John, a young man whose favorite was Cactus Jack. Oh, yeah, and he's like holding holding back some tears. Uh, It's very sweet. I mean, if anybody can pull it out of you. Uh, on a microphone it's uh, Mick Foley he can do sentimental without it coming off rote yes Jack keeps going on about a pair of visionaries and creative geniuses without whom ECW wouldn't exist Stevie Richards and the Blue Meanie (laughs) I mean we've all given plenty of flowers to Stevie Richards he's fucking great So the Fablins come out, and the three of them hug, before doing the can-can to what was New York, New York uh, in the arena. Oh, that's funny. But WWE ain't paying for those rights, so no. we just get like this music that has nothing to do with Which New York, New York. makes sense why um, the crowd chant New York sucks, because I didn't quite get it. I knew they were doing the can-can, but I, when I see the can-can, I don't imme- immediately think of New York, New York. No. Cactus Jack then calls out Paul Heyman and Todd Gordon, but they don't come out. But Jack does say he would like to strut out of the ECW arena. So our three men do the Fargo strut to the back. Another Fargo tie-in right there, Mm -hmm. baby. Before Jack runs back out to give his appreciation to the crowd, which they return in the form of another standing ovation. Mm, This is Foley's baby boy. Got the whole crowd on his side. He even puts over Hack Myers and says he went to the hospital tonight. Just just putting everybody over. So we go to our seventh match. 
the Bruise Brothers of Don and Ron Bruise versus the Pitbulls of number one and number two with Francine. And Don is ragdolling number two around the ring with whips and clotheslines to start before the Bruise Brothers attempt a whip-aided clothesline from Ron. Only for number two to duck and charge out with a clothesline on Don, followed by a back body drop on Ron. Number two continues with a body slam on Ron before it clips forward to the Bruise Brothers nailing a double big boot and a double clothesline to number one, sending him out to the floor. Only for number two to then hit a running double clothesline that takes everybody out to the concrete. All four men start brawling into the crowd using multiple chair shots shared between them all before they finally make it back to ringside. We clip forward ahead again where the Pitbulls deliver a super bomb, only for the fabulous ones to run down to attack the Pitbulls. Francine attacks Meanie but then turns around into a Stevie kick, followed by the Bruise Brothers helping the attack as well. All of a sudden, a one-armed man named Tommy Dreamer rolls into the ring with something to smash over the head of the Fabulous Ones before taking his sling off to reveal it was a fake arm and uses <laughs> it on the Bruise Brothers. I mean, that's fun, right? Tommy tosses the Fab Ones to the floor, following out to throw them into the crowd and use a chair and a wall clock on them. Easy, Tommy. Dreamer keeps up the attack, receiving help from the Pitbulls now as well to clear the area. So there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, that uh, that happened. Yep. Sta- they're standing strong in the rain. I hope everybody got their bathroom break in. Yeah, it was like the crowd was pretty hot for it. Uh, I wasn't. No. So we go to our eighth match. Big Titan versus Sabu. Sure isn't uh, Teton. I, know, I kept saying Teton. <laughs> I was like, make sure you say Titan. Uh, yeah, yeah. Make sure you say Titan. Uh-huh. So Big Titan is better known as Razor Ramon in the WWF. Yeah. I had to, as I was reading that, like, wait, what? I was like, I was like, yeah, I obviously know you're talking about Razor 2, but... He is... El Faco de Razor. We know him as fake Razor Ramon, but he is always... Name checked yeah. as Razor Ramon. He is the uh, he is the the the, uh, the plastic razor. Yeah, Faker Ramon. Sabu starts by going for the legs, but Titan uses his power to overcome, tossing the homicidal one around the ring. We clip forward to Sabu laying out on a table, with Big Titan going for a slingshot knee drop over the ropes, only for the homicidal one to move, sending Titan crashing through the table that was an extra 20 bucks (laughs) sabu would bring a chair into the ring before trying to suplex big titan back in only to be shoved away titan would head up top where the homicidal one would meet him there for a super frankensteiner for a two count sabu would then attempt a slingshot leg lariat but he's caught and be driven down to the mat by big titan titan would set up a chair and go for a back body drop only for the homicidal one to counter into a DDT onto the chair, allowing Sabu to deliver an Arabian face buster for the pin and the win. Thanks for coming, Big Titan. You'll get paid more for doing less soon. Yep. So yeah, 
That was. They keep having these things where it's like Sabu beats a big guy, which I guess is impressive, but Sabu's already over, so I feel like they're just waiting for a angle that they want to do. Because it's like... Yeah. It's Sabu, but like we're not getting the best version of Sabu, and he's beating these big guys, but this crowd is smart. Maybe they know what's going on. Sabu, Bam Bam thing in the future, maybe? I don't know. I, uh, I'm trying to think of the big guys that they have yeah. in ECW. I just think that just there'll he'll probably get in a program with a guy that's not necessarily the big guy, but it's like oh well you know just so he keeps eking out like underdog wins. But who knows? Maybe he'll have a match with Bam Bam. I have no clue. So we go to our ninth match: Raven with Kimono Wanalea, Stevie Richards, and the Blue Meanie. Versus the franchise, Shane Douglas, for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. The champion came out first. Foreshadowing? Maybe it's because he's on crutches, so it takes him longer to get to the ring. <laughs> so Stevie takes the mic, saying Raven has gout, so he shouldn't wrestle. Oh no. Raven says, last night, I ignored you and defeated the Sandman. But tonight, I think you're right, and I shouldn't wrestle. But the franchise steals the mic away to say he has schemed, scratched, clawed, and manipulated his way to get a title shot. And there's no way these hardcore fans are not seeing this match. So he smashes the mic over the head of Raven, and the match begins. Shane clips the injured leg, but Richards hits a Stevie kick, allowing Raven to recover to DDT Douglas for a two count. The two men end up on the floor where Raven sends the franchise into the guardrail several times, uses multiple chairs and a DDT on the concrete, all while limping the whole way. Raven rolls back in to hopefully get the count out win, but Shane makes it back to the apron, just in time. Raven then attempts to bring Douglas in the hard way, but it's blocked, allowing the franchise to suplex Raven onto the top turnbuckle where he hits a running knee to the head that sends Raven tumbling out to the floor. Shane then flies out of the ring with a springboard crossbody onto the Fabulous Ones, before continuing the attack on Raven back in the ring with a chair. Douglas hits a DDT onto that chair for the pin, and no! Kimona runs in to break it up, so the franchise gives her a good spanking. But she seems to really enjoy it, <laughs> leading to Shane kissing her in the middle of the ring <laughs> before shoving her off and turning his attention back to Raven, only to get low blowed. These, these girls at Raven fine. They just, they always want the other wrestler. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe he should pay for dinner. Yeah, sorry, Scotty. The franchise is whipped to the corner with Raven charging in after with a chair. But Shane pulls the ref into the path for him to be knocked down. Ref bump. Douglas takes one of the crutches and nails Raven with it, which brings the Fabulous Ones in to attack, leading to a missed meanie salt. Ah, huge air. It's always huge air with the meanie. But <laughs> he got up there and, you know. The franchise hits belly-to-belly suplexes on both Fab Ones. And then Raven, for the pin... 
And no, the ref is still out. The heck of a bump, guys. A little bit. The Bruise Brothers hit the ring to attack, delivering a double big boot, allowing Raven to make the cover for the pin. And no, Shane kicks out. Douglas is whipped to a corner, and Raven charges in with the chair again, only to run into a big boot before the franchise leaps off the second rope with a leg lariat. Shane then hotshots Raven onto the top turnbuckle for a near fall. Nails an atomic drop onto the chair and a clothesline for a two count. Douglas then sets the chair up in the corner and attempts to bulldog Raven, but he's shoved off knee first into the chair, which allows Stevie to toss another chair into the middle of the ring, which Raven DDTs the franchise onto for the pin and and the the win. Post-match, the Fab Ones roll Shane out of the way so they can strut. But Douglas makes it back to his feet to double clothesline them out of the ring, which allows Raven to attack from behind. The Bruise Brothers come back out to help Raven in beating down the franchise when Tommy Dreamer would run out with a chair shot to them both. Tommy rolls into the ring and then becomes the focus of attack from the nest when the Sandman would run down with cane shots to everybody. Dreamer then DDTs Raven onto the chair before wrapping the steel around his leg. And Sandman comes over and starts to argue that he wants to hurt Raven. But while this is happening, Shane just leaps off the top rope with a knee to the chair. And Tommy, Sandman, and Douglas are all standing tall in the ring with the franchise reminding them both of the deals that they have made. Remember the deal. Laughing because he knows it will keep him safe from them. He's a smart man. As a matter of fact, he was once the dean of a college. Dreamer leaves, but Sandman is yelling, Screw the deal! Because he just wants to hit someone. When Scorpio hits the ring. And they start to argue as Shane continues to laugh. Hmm. Interesting little character work there. Yeah. You know what I love? The atomic drop onto the chair and then clotheslining him out of the chair. That's just really fun. Just the atomic drop him down onto the chair. It's like, oh, my tailbone. And then it's, uh, it, it looks nice. It's fun. We've seen enough DDTs onto the chair at this point, I'm saying. Yes. And I, I think that this was fun and innovative and less dangerous than uh, what Sabu might do with a chair. Or much safer and more interesting than 100 unprotected headshots, which make me cringe. So we got our 10th match. Sandman and Two Cold Scorpio with Missy Hyatt. Versus the Headhunters of Mofat Mohim with Damian Kane and Lady Alexandria. Versus the Gangsters of New Jack and Mustafa Saeed in a three-way dance. I have a feeling this is going to get messy. No. How could it? So I guess Sandman and Scorpio decide to go back to the back because we then get all of Sandman's entrance. Of course. I mean, he needs well, he to has, see he's, it. He's shown up on the show at the beginning and then in the, I get that the title match. And now, but he hasn't come out with uh, Missy and Metallica and a cigarette and mm-hmm. a beer. But he was already in the ring. Just... You know, 
let's just you got to get, get people what I they mean, want. I, they I, want to watch him smoke a cigarette. I agree completely. To Metallica. But though everyone just needs to hear. So as the headhunters make it to the ring, Sandman and Too Cold attack them with their kendo sticks until Mahim steals the Sandman's away to give a few shots of his own. Scorpio nails thrust kicks to both headhunters to take them down. Sandman then tosses Mahim out to the floor while Too Cold goes up top for a splash onto Mofat, followed by Sandman coming off with a top rope leg drop. Mahim returns to attack Sandman from behind, while Kane has jumped in the ring to receive some Kane shots from Scorpio, only to be able to kick Too Cold away to take the kendo stick. Lady Alexandria has also come in to help out, so Missy jumps in the ring as well for a cat fight. Scorpio finally gets rid of Damien as the ladies also leave the ring to continue on the outside, with officials trying to separate them. And the headhunters, Sandman and Too Cold, continue to trade cane shots when Scorpio would toss Mahim to the floor. Mofat would body slam Scorpio before delivering a moonsault, while Mahim has returned to hit a body slam and a top rope splash onto Sandman, but both decide not to go for pins to continue nailing cane shots. I mean, I know we've seen the headhunters do it before, we've seen big guys do it before but the headhunters are really big guys yeah. it's watching like abby the <clears throat> abby yeah. abdul the butcher do a fucking moonsault it's pretty crazy unfortunately it's kind of the only thing they can do but my god does it look wild the gangsters decide it's time for them to enter the match and they go right after the headhunters choking them with a chain and a kendo stick mustafa and mahim end up on the floor where saeed throws them into the timekeeper's table and it just disintegrates. Yeah, I my notes is the same thing. It's like table evaporates, LOL. Because that table's been used a couple times tonight, and it's not the typical like card table like no. that you use. It is like a '70s thick like heavy wood table, and uh, a headhunter just turns it into dust. Yep. Sandman gets involved by tossing New Jack to the floor and following out with a running leap over the ropes, and a cane shot to the head. Hey, anything's better than him trying to drop a leg. Mofat throws Mustafa out to the floor, where Mahim smashes him with a chair, while Scorpio has joined the attack on Jack. So everybody's brawling around ringside, using chairs, kendo sticks, when Too Cold and New Jack return to the ring, only for Scorpio to take him right back out to the floor with the head scissors. Saeed tosses Mahim into the crowd, while Too Cold is up on the top rope, where he leaps off with a plancha out onto them, followed by Mahim and Scorpio hitting Mustafa with chairs. Jack comes off the apron with a running knee on Too Cold back at ringside, before throwing a chair at him. Saeed and Mahim are now teaming up with ping-pong punches and chair shots on Sandman, but he recovers to hit some chair shots of his own to several different people. New Jack and Scorpio back in the ring, where Jack works too cold with headbutts, when Sandman would jump in to save his partner. The headhunters are pummeling Jack with pieces of the table and chairs, while Mustafa is back in the ring to receive a clothesline from the Sandman. Too Cold then uses a chair on both of the headhunters, before Sandman dives out onto them with a plancha. 
Scorpio and Mahim return to the ring while everyone else is brawling around ringside. So Mahim body slams too cold and he heads up top, only to miss a leg drop. So Scorpio then comes off the top with a 450 splash for the pin. So the headhunters are eliminated. But they get a few more shots in on too cold until Sandman can make the save with the kendo stick. Saeed then attacks the Sandman from behind, knocking him to the floor. Where Mofat goes back to work on Scorpio, hitting a second rope splash on him. And the headhunters start to leave, but they take the Sandman with them to the back, leaving a hurt too cold alone with the gangsters. I've got an idea. Who might be eliminated next? <laughs> Power slam by Mustafa for a two count. Cane shots and a vertical suplex drop kick combo. But a nonchalant cover only gets a two. I mean, suplex drop kick combo, pretty fun. The gangsters keep up the attack with Jack fucking up a hot shot across the ropes. So they redo the spot and get it right the second time. Hey. They then drop some elbows before delivering a power slam flying headbutt combo for the pin and the win. Post-match, New Jack throws Scorpio out of the ring to celebrate in the crowd as Joey says his goodbyes and we fade to black. So I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of Big Ass Extreme Bash? For me, it was... I'm trying to figure out the words to, to, to say this right. The clip show start, I didn't really care for all that much because it just felt like we saw a lot of the same stuff on the second day taping. We had some good matches, but... It just got really repetitive and maybe too ECW for me at the end (laughs) where it was like, all right, just hurry up and be over already because I'm sick of seeing chairs. I'm sick of not being able to tell who's doing what to who in the ring. And yeah, it just, it dragged to where it was like, get it over with already. This big ass extreme bash is extremely long. So, but I mean, it was still an enjoyable show. It just, it had too long of matches for what it needed to be yeah i have a little bit of a different take the first night just needed to be cut yeah they probably shouldn't have added they, they probably shouldn't have had that on there and mm-hmm. i think shane might have felt differently if it wasn't but once we get to the second night i think it's a pretty great show and the last match was a little bit whack at first because like okay all right but once uh, the riot got going and the gangsters come out and the crowd's that hot, I'm like, all right, we're having fun here. But I know what to expect in a last match that's not a title match at an ECW show. Mm-hmm. So, like, didn't really need it, but at least it wasn't. We've seen some of them where it was harder to get through. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one moved pretty quick, and you have stars. It's not just, like the like rottens and public enemy and i know public enemy was stars too but like they were out there welcome this feels fresher so felt a little bit better but i really don't even know what the best match of the show was because we had a pretty good run of great stuff there in the middle ecw walks this very fine line where every night (laughs) every time even on nights when 
and I didn't mention this when we were covering the matches, but I think there's two shortlist matches on this show. I agree. And then you also include the first-time matchup between Taz and Jericho. It's very fun. Mm -hmm. It's great. But the last four matches of this show, even with a couple of them being clipped, which, thank God, they they were clipped... It just completely drags the show down. Like the, we, the know, we know, we know, we know what we're gonna get with Raven. Yeah, but Raven is—he's legitimately hurt. He he is working hurt in this match, and that's why they have to just do all this like you extra can, stuff. I mean, you can kind of tell. I think they do a pretty good job considering. And that's the thing is that like considering that he is legitimately hurt, it's actually probably better than it probably should ever be. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, it's the same thing with Raven and and yeah and franchise. Also, if he's hurt, it could same, be and Tommy. It's like, yeah, they could just make it shorter. Yep. And gangsters, headhunters, Sandman, Scorpio, those are not six guys that I would ever expect to be able to carry a twenty-minute no match. At all? No, I mean, the crowd carries this match. Uh, the gangsters are the best brawlers we got at the moment, as far as, like, garbage match. But still. And see, to me, it just felt like that match specifically I'd seen before, but take out the headhunters, put in Public Enemy. Yeah, or the, or the Rockies. I've seen them. Yeah. Literally, that's what we have seen yeah. before. Yeah. Take out Public Enemy, put in... And the headhunters Axel aren't over. Rotten and yeah. Ian and Rotten. Yeah. Axel and Ian were also <laughs> over at a time, so the headhunters aren't over. I mean, I think they're more over with us than they are the actual ECW <laughs> yeah, crowd. Yeah, yeah. And we're not screaming praises. But I think that if the last match wouldn't have been, like, it wouldn't have been as messy if we didn't already see a version of it kind of the night before with mm-hmm. that clip show. And that's the, the whole problem I had. Because you're, like, like cutting that, 30 minutes out. That first night show didn't need to be shown you know save it for ecw tv whatever but night two would have been just fine and it would have made the show 30 if you wanted to talk, yeah. Short. Yeah. if you wanted to talk about mikey getting his neck hurt you just say he got his neck hurt which they did yeah. they actually they didn't actually show us mikey getting his hurt in the his neck show. hurt yeah. in the clip show yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's like well then what's the point any of the like any of the character we I mean, did on the night first night wasn't so literally like, it was it was cool to see the ray hoovy stuff but then we saw it again. So, and even seeing it again, I was like, "This oh, match is fucking great. It's incredible." Yeah. yeah. So like, the match I mean, was great. They just, you know, Ray got the win first on the first night. Hoovy got the win first on the second night. Yeah, it's almost like it was mostly yeah. the same. So, what if I'm just throwing this out there? Yeah. What if they had released the New York show as yeah. as a show, and then the Philly show as a show, and we had ended up watching both full shows? On different weeks. Who knows? That would probably have been kind of annoying. We've done that before. We watched two shows that were basically the same. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, fuck. This one was a little better than that one or whatever. But this would have been, like, even probably more egregious as far as, like, flow goes of the yeah. show. But so ECW has show. a format. We watched some shows back-to-back where it was the same It was uh, Val Pucci match yeah, or whatever. Yeah, he know. did the same exact match. <laughs> but... I mean, that's, that's the thing. Is that, like, literally what we got is... Probably better than yes. if they had split them off into two and I made agree. it two different shows, yeah. basically. Yeah, it's just like, ah, oh, could we just 
didn't need the first one, but at the same time, I think the outside I mean, of that. I completely agree with you. Yeah. The first yeah. 30 minutes. Just of made it like the old Great American yeah. Bash or whatever yeah. it was, where it's like, this yeah. match here was from this show. This match here was from this show. We don't really need to see the interweavings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Cactus Jack and Mikey Whipwreck was uh, great. I even liked the Sandman Raven stuff, even though it was convoluted, but I'm expecting that with Raven, whether he's hurt or not. It's the Raven thing. Is that you know he's basically Dracula and he's got all his ghouls that do the work for him. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So what are some of the best moments of the show? I mean, Ray and Hoovie are wonderful, marvelous. Yeah. Great. Get some uh, really good promos on the show. Yeah. The the cactus farewell. New Jack, really yeah, New Jack's promo was great. Yeah, New Jack was great. Shane Douglas is good, but Shane Douglas is pretty, always yeah. pretty good. Menacing Pillman from the crowd, I like that a whole lot more than the Pillman in the ring stuff, honestly. But I mean, yeah, I, I did not understand the other than having a, you know, they're in Philly and having a Philadelphia Eagle with you to yeah be like, ha ha ha, he's like, <laughs> yeah, what? Okay, he was probably just a wrestling fan. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, he was like a backup offensive lineman for yeah. the Eagles. Didn't really ever play. So, Hoovy and Ray, shortlist match for me. Yes. Yeah. Cactus Mikey, shortlist match. Yes. I also include the the aftermath in yeah. that as being part of the shortlist part it's, because it's yeah, it's it's the what gets you in the feels a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely like makes it wasn't a bad match by any means, but that definitely. Add significance to it. I mean, I enjoyed seeing Jericho and Taz. They put on. A, I thought that was really good. I thought it was a great match. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I mean, I, as much as I said, you know, ugh, about a few things on this one. I mean, overall, it's it is a good show. Yeah. They just could have made it better by snipping, clipping here and. What there. I was gonna say is like it's kind of like if you went to go see a movie and they played the trailer that showed all the clips that showed all of like the like important stuff. And then and we're then like, oh, they're like, the okay, and now here's this two-hour movie. And it's yeah. like, fuck, you showed me, like, I came here because I already saw the trailer. You can't be playing me the trailer beforehand. You can't be showing me the four-minute trailer before I watch the movie. Like, yep. we already know what we're here for. And I think that that's kind of the effect here. So I would suggest watching this show, but I would skip immediately to the second night. And I think you'll have a good time. Agreed. Watch the, uh, the gonna, clip I'm, show afterwards. I'm going to give Big Titan some flowers. He's better than some I, of the other big I man thought he actually matches. was a decent worker. Better Consi- than, Considering that I had no clue who he was. Better than what we'll see from him in the future, for sure. <laughs> I mean, way better than like the, like Mr. Hughes. Uh, like we were talking about how Sabu's been doing these big man matches. Yeah. I think this is the best one. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So like, there's something to be said for that. I just feel like kind of ready to see Sabu have... A match with somebody, but it, that's also the desired effect: is that they want you to be excited when Sabu has a competitive match with somebody that can actually work with him, as opposed to you know eking out a win over a much larger man. So they're doing the, they're doing it right. Absolutely. They're booking it right. I'm just kind of ready for something new. How about most disappointing? That's enough about the clip thing at the beginning. So. Yeah. New Jack fucking up the hot shot. <laughs> yeah. Come um, on, Actually, going back to best... I'll, I'm going to give the main event the smallest of flower 
Yeah. The ending section of that match where Sandman gets te- gets taken to the back by the headhunters. Mm-hmm. And the gangsters actually work over too cold. Like, it was probably maybe a smidge too long. They yeah. probably could have wrapped that up a little bit quicker. But that is that is natural tag... T- like, like that's, that's old school tag team wrestling type philosophy. Yeah, right except there. for it's in the middle of a garbage match. But either way, it is... Still, it still works even yeah. when there's chairs everywhere. Mm-hmm. I like think I said, it's a solid show. Yeah, the, the show is solid, and there are definitely highlights. It's just that we had such highlights, like yeah. they're way up there that like literally everything after it is just kind of like. Ugh, what? Man, uh, oh, I think there's like three or four in a row that are like just great. Yeah, and, like, your your good. fourth, fifth, and sixth match of the yeah. show are bangers. Puerto Rapeño's dive into the railing outside. I mean, that was come like on, just dog a, and rose. Uh, Catch the man. Yeah, and I even I like the heavyweight title match more than I think either of you guys. But like, it's not incredible. I just I I think I had a little bit more fun with it. But it's not like you said. It's not. It it is. It is at the bottom of the best matches. I think in talking about this show, I've, I've, I'm feeling better about this show. Than you did Because I'm, I'm literally trying to think of most disappointing things. I'm just like, there's not a whole lot that I'm disappointed. Because nah. I literally got exactly what I expected. Except, and a little more. But I think it's just that those three matches were such highlights that everything after it didn't come anywhere close to it. Yep. That it made it a little bit of a drag to finish the show. See, the thing for me is, like, if I see some good shit, then I'm more forgiving later in the show, which is a little, I guess, maybe different from you where you're like, ah, it's dragging. But I think that if I see some really good shit and then I see some stuff that's not, like, egregiously bad, I'm already more pumped up, so it kind of helps me ride it out with a little bit more, like, forgivingly or in a more positive light. And I think that that's, yeah, definitely a thing for... Because if, if there's, like, a bunch of bad matches and then, like, one good one, like, it's a much harder show for me. But if there's, like, some good stuff that I'm, like, getting into, then I can coast on it to the end. Yeah. Even if it's bad because, you know, yeah. Will there be some examples of that uh, probably in the future? How about best performer of the night? Give it to Ray? Man, for, Ray for the head good. save? For saving him from hitting his Send head on the steel. Cactus on a high note. Like cactus. Mikey. Yeah. Even Jericho's babyface performance. He's already over. Like Jericho. Jericho is great as well. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's, it's, I don't think. I think everybody that we consider like baseline good at what they do was good to great. Yeah. Like New Jack is yeah, a great promo. New Jack and his he put promo on a great even. promo. Cactus Jack. Is everybody's favorite everyman, and he can pull the fields out. He, he did it. Mikey Wibrek is everybody's favorite little brother. Mm-hmm. So you know. Yeah, like I, if I have to pick one, I'm just I'm gonna go with Jackie. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think I'd probably go Cactus Jack as well. I mean, yeah, that promo at the end. But so you know good. How it feels. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like yes, I knew there was something about because when I was a kid and I was watching, I didn't know anything about this stuff. Watching uh, Mankind, I was like, oh. I like this guy. Obviously, the idea is that he is—he's a crazy guy. He's an underdog. Blah blah blah. But it—it it shines through. 
Anything surprising on this show? I kind of expected, because Bam Bam's only in the New York show, right? Yeah, he didn't really Because make... he, he's from Brooklyn. Yeah, he didn't show up. He didn't have much on there. Yeah. I mean, Jericho Same showing up. Fake Razor wrestle as yeah. somebody that's not Fake Razor. Yeah, he. I mean, I didn't know that at the time. But yeah, I would say Chris Jericho showing up is the biggest surprise because I didn't know that going in. Yeah. And we hadn't seen him here yet. And I was excited. And it was him and Taz. Great first match. Have I mentioned we got two shortlist matches, guys? On the ECW show. Two shortlist, yeah. one show. That doesn't happen very often. No, it does not. <laughs> Especially not in ECW. I mean, whenever they pull out these uh, these workers, these, uh, you know, yeah, but- these juniors from Mexico or Japan or whatever, we end up being like, fuck. Because they can just go hog wild. Yep. And they do. And even Ray knew what did he need, what he needed to do when the match was over for this crowd, which was a hilarious, you know, powerbomb while standing on a table. Making their way to the ring. It's trivia time. Uh-oh. What do we got this week? So this week, the category is what happened when? What happened when? What happened when? So five points for whoever guesses the main event of the show first. Three points if we go to multiple choice. All right, so the show, and you're guessing the main event of, is Clash of the Champions 24. Oh, shit. (laughs) 24. I feel like we haven't clashed in a while. Yeah. Damn, 24 is... Because I feel like we watched a handful of them... Back like I vaguely in, remember twenty and twenty one in like eighty nine and like ninety ninety one. But what is the years this is between ninety three and ninety four? Damn, we haven't done very many clashes between there. I don't think. Damn, I want to be like, is that Sting and I don't want to give it away, but I wouldn't know anyway. I was like, is that um, <laughs> Sting and Jake era? I mean, I know it's Halloween Havoc is they're on a pole match or whatever, but they had more than one match, right? I mean, we only saw them have one match. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I guess I just kind of... That's fine. It's okay. It's okay. I gave you the answer on that <laughs> I'm one. just thinking out loud. Shane and I, uh, there's there's no grudge here because we're yeah. both pretty uh, confused. Multiple choice or... I'm fine with multiple choice. I'm not going to... It's not worth a guess because I don't have one that's even fun. Okay. All right. Multiple choice. Your four choices are the British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith versus Big Van Vader with Harley Race for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship with the DQ rule waived. Ric Flair with Sensuous Sherry versus Hulk Hogan with Jimmy Hart for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Ric Flair versus Sting for the unification of the WCW World Heavyweight and WCW International World Heavyweight Championship. And finally, Ric Flair with Fifi versus Big Van Vader with Harley Race. For the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Jesus Christ. Eh, I'll guess. There's two that I like, but I'm going to go with Fifi because I love her. Flair versus Vader is incorrect. <sighs> I should have guessed the other Shane? one. Shane? So you got three. Vader and um, Davy Boy, Sting and Flair, Unification, Flair, Flair and, and Hogan. Hogan. All title matches, obviously, one of them being Unification, that All one right. being him and Sting. I'm, I'm going with 
Flair and Hogan just because I have this image of Sherry getting involved in my head at a clash, but I don't know if that's right. But Flair and Hogan. Flair and Hogan is also incorrect. Ah. Unification? No. No, it was Bulldog. All right. It was Bulldog that was Vader. That was going to be my guess, but then I was I was wooed by... Rarely get a Bulldog main event. I know. I knew that forgot. was the answer, but I was wooed by Fifi. See, I was trying to do the timeline in my head of... All right, so twenty and twenty-one. I remember one of them had. I knew the. I Dustin knew Dustin Rhodes and Barry Hor- or Horowitz, Barry Windham against. Remember Barry Horowitz. I don't remember the name of the team, but they had some weird Japanese translated name. It was like Doctor Death and somebody, but. Bam Bam Gordy. Bam Bam Gordy. Yeah. Tornado. Terry. Something. Something. I don't remember. It was like three words that sounded weird together. Uh, murder. Or vi- violence, uh, the, 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 or the murder violence connection, or whatever, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I knew, th- I knew I should have done because that was that one is the one that stuck out to me. But then I was like, oh, I miss Fifi. I was, I was pro Fifi. Davy Invader, R.I.P. Next week, Uncensored, nineteen ninety six. Everybody, you know, get your CDL because maybe it'll be a truck. Could be. Could be. I mean, people are getting fired after this show. Was the last uncensored the monster truck? No. No, the last uncensored was, was Dustin, Dustin, Dustin and, yeah. and Bruiser. I just wasn't sure, yeah. Bunkhouse. Yeah. I know that's the only one. I just wasn't sure. Bunkhouse match or, I don't know, Bunkhouse on a truck. On the truck. Bunk on a trunk. Yeah. Uh, I just wasn't sure the monster truck was on All Havoc. Well, Goldust and Smash. What, was, what show was that it. on? I guess it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I don't know. They all start running together after a while. Yeah. True enough. I'm glad you guys have to do the trivia question, (laughs) not me. Music from this week's show is Thunder Kiss 65. 5-5. Yeah. By Rob Zombie. And the Gangstas won our main event, so we play Natural Born Killers by Dr. Dre and Ice Cube. Wow. Hell yeah, dude. So I apologize for the language of that song. I mean, hey. if you're a young child listening to this, yeah. if you we have a quite problem a bit throughout with the, show. the music that's, that's playing at the end of the show, then you probably had issues with all the shits and fucks and stuff that we've said so far on this episode. Yeah, so. yeah. If you are, go uh, <laughs> listen to that song all to all the way through because it's a great one. Can't go wrong with Dre and Cube. Yeah. That's a uh, chronic tune, I believe. Right? I believe so. Yeah. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. Do as Michael says. Five stars or no stop. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, recipes, drink ideas, you're just bored at home and want to say, hey, you should like reach out to us. Maybe Let us know you're listening. Yeah, maybe uh, you read some wrestling biographies and you know... The favorite cocktails of some wrestlers. If you What's Ric Flair's favorite cocktail? If you watch this show and you you were disappointed, I'm gonna go with, with cocaine and let pussy. Us know. <laughs> but you know, who knows? Slide into our DMs. Uh-huh. You can hit us up on our email at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at wrestlinghistox. That's wrestling h i s t o x. We'll talk to you next week. Here's y'all later.